0: Psalm 90. Brothers and sisters, here's what God's Word is going to show us today. As, As life quickly passes us by, let us choose carefully the place we live, the God we trust, the forgiveness we need, the future we envision, and the prayers that we offer. It is the message of Psalm 90. Let me pray now that God would speak it to our hearts. Father, would you please help us and teach us and instruct us with your word? Would you please... Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach us who You are so that we each and every one will make You our dwelling place both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 90 is a prayer. The song that is ascribed here to Moses, uh, you may or may not be aware of the fact that these inscriptions that are at the beginning of the Psalms were actually added sometime after the Psalms were written, which, which means that we're not exactly sure if they're always accurate or not. Uh, some editor along the way inserted them But, most of the time, we can be pretty confident that there's good reason for these inscriptions. And in this particular case, we read that it says that this was a psalm of a prayer of Moses, the man of God. The prayer of Moses. Moses most likely wrote this, and he wrote it, it would seem, at a time in his life when death was... Very much in front of him. It was a season of his life where he was very aware of his own and his people's mortality. And in this moment, he decided to pray and to actually create a prayer song that has been sung by believers ever since. Try to stop and think, when might Moses have written this prayer song? And if you think about the story of Moses' life, it's pretty easy to discern the most likely moment when he wrote this psalm, Somewhere near the end of the forty years of wandering in the wilderness, if, if you remember the story of Moses, uh, the people of Israel were in Egypt, they were there for four hundred years. God called Moses and said, "I want you to lead my people and go into Egypt and tell them tell Pharaoh to let my people go and then, after a sequence of, of mighty miracles and plagues that God uh, God did through Moses. Finally, Pharaoh let them go, and the people are released from Egypt, released from bondage. They get out into the wilderness, and God says, "I want you to go to Canaan. I want you to go to the Promised Land, and there will be milk and honey and freedom and prosperity." And and he he. Here's the way for them, but they in their unbelief and they in their doubt refused. They hardened their hearts against God, and the punishment was that all the adults that had been delivered from Egypt would die in the wilderness. None of them would make it into the promised land. And so for the next 40 years, 40 years, there was this death march that went around in the wilderness. They kept walking around in circles until every one of the adults died. And then finally, once they were all gone, then God said, now you can go into the promised land. It is likely that this psalm was written right about at that point. Right at that point where for 40 years, Moses had seen the mortality of humanity. Beings, that their, their, their lifespan, 70 years maybe, 80 years if there's reason of strength, uh, but they drop off. Humans die, humans die, humans die. And now 40 years later, after a whole generation is gone, and it's about time for them to move into the promised land, Moses pens this prayer, which climaxes in some mighty requests for God's favor and God's blessing upon them as they move forward. It's, it's a strange thing. You heard this psalm just read. Uh, strange thing what ancient believers sang about. They they sang about their mortality. They sang about their humanity. They sang about their weakness. They sang songs about the everlasting glory and being of God. And then in contrast to that, the brief whiff of existence that man is. This, This was standard hymnody in the old days. This is what the people of God saying, God is God everlasting, we are but men and dust. He is deity, we are dust. And that's where wisdom begins, right? For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He is deity, I am dust. I know my place. I know God's place. And as we learn this, we learn to make the right choices in life. To summarize the psalm again, as I said earlier, I'm going to say this a number of times in my message today, as life quickly passes us by, let us choose carefully the place we live, the God we trust, the forgiveness we need, the future we envision, and the prayers we offer. Let me unpack that for you this afternoon. We begin the, with the phrase, as life quickly passes us by the old guy is gonna say the cliched thing right now You don't believe how quickly time goes life passes by fast I remember when I was young now I am old I I see I have now experienced this psalm i have now experienced the brevity of life and it is emphasized here in this psalm beginning in verse 3 you return man to dust and say return o children of man for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night you Sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. We are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. Verse, Verse 10, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Is it, the psalmist is very conscious of our mortality, the fleetingness of life, and the imagery, the mixing of metaphors here, is really quite astonishing. First of all, he says that to God, a thousand years are but as yesterday when it is past. I don't know how you calculate that. A thousand years to God, a thousand years is as meaningless and empty, and nothing as yesterday. I mean, what is yesterday? Is it anything? It's, it's, it's gone. It's, it just doesn't exist. It, it, and, and a thousand years in the sight of God are as yesterday. Now, if we, the psalmist says, we have maybe 70 or 80 years, alright, so... 80 into 1,000 is about, I don't know, a tw- what is it? It just means like, well, here, here's what it means. That our lifespan on planet Earth is like about two hours of yesterday. It's not even yesterday, it's just about two hours of yesterday. And I'm pushing 60, which means the, the amount of time that I have left is about, I don't know, 30 minutes of yesterday. It's nothing. It's nothing. And then he goes on, he says, you know, the years are swept away like a flood. We are pieces of dust in this this great cosmic dust bowl of the universe we're just these little flecks of dust we are like a dream that vanishes as soon as we wake up we are like quickly withering grass we bring our years to an end with a sigh how how long is life just a sigh just a sigh Our years are soon gone and they fly away. Our 70 or 80 years are as nothing. How small we are. How short is the span of our days. Compared to God, we are but... So, life quickly passes away, the psalmist says. And he goes on to say that as life quickly passes us by, we need to choose some things carefully. In light of the brevity of life, there are some significant choices we need to make. And there are four or five of them. Hear these with me this afternoon. First of all, as life quickly passes us by, we need to choose carefully the place we live. We need to choose carefully the place we live. Verses 1 and 2, Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. We need to make sure that God is our dwelling place. We need to make sure that we are living in God. We we take a lot of interest in where we live, our home, our dwelling. Um, Presently, Galen and I are presently in a stage of our lives, we have six children. By the middle of September, all six children will live in six different states. And. Two or three of them right now are in the midst of looking for a home. And so they're looking for a dwelling. And, you know, when you look for a house, when you look for a home, you want size, you want looks, you want yard, you want location, you want rooms, square footing, things working, roof working, heat working, air conditioning working. You know, it, it matters. It matters. Sometimes though it seems to me that we give a lot more attention to the physical home that we live in than we do to the living God who is our dwelling place. The psalmist is saying to us that we need to live our lives in God. That, that no matter where we are, no matter what is going on, He is our dwelling. He is our home. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our safe haven. He is our harbor. He is our home. And He is this, it says, in all generations. From the beginning of time, from the first moment of time, God has been the dwelling place of His people. We, are, we as humans, we're, we're born... Homeless and homesick. We're born homeless. We're born in search of a place to live. I mean really live. I mean fully live. Safely live. Happily live. Forever live. We're homeless. And we stay homeless until we find God. We are homesick. We're born with a longing for home. We're born with a longing for that place where we can settle, where we can be safe. We We are born with a longing for God and we stay homeless and homesick until that time when we choose a home that is an everlasting home. We choose to live our life in God. It matters the place you choose to live. As you go through this wilderness of planet Earth, as you go through the stuff that happens and it's barren and it's dry and it seems fruitless and it seems hopeless and it feels like you're just wandering around 40 years in the wilderness, in the wilderness, you need to know that no matter where you are, you are home. You need to know that no matter where you are, your home is with you. You need to know that no matter where you are and what you're facing, God is there in it with you and you can dwell in Him. You can abide in Him. And I know these things can sound so cliched. I know that they can sound so much like just spiritual platitude in the church building. Like it's it's not that. Dear ones, by faith, by faith you can know that, that you are Home. the storms can gather and stuff can happen but you're safe because God's got you and you are in him and you are living in him and you are staying in him the Lord is our dwelling place in every generation as life quickly passes us by let us choose carefully the place we live there are a lot of other home options out there for you A lot of other places you can go check out. You can can check the bar and you can check the illicit relationship and you can check the drugs and you can check the wealth and you can check and check and check, but none of them is home. None of them is home. There is but one home for the human homeless person. And that home with a capital H is God Himself. As light quickly passes us by, let us choose carefully the place we live. And then secondly, let us choose carefully the God we trust. The God we trust. This psalm is is loaded up with wonderful theology teaching us about God. There are, there are truths here that Moses wants us to hear and trust in. These are things he wants us to know about God. Do you realize, as Rick, Brother Rick said to us a couple of weeks ago, that the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about God. So, Moses wants certain things to come into your mind when you think about God. What God are you going to trust in? He wants you to trust in this God, the God who is eternal. Verse 2 Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I love the language, it just, it's exalted language. From everlasting. To everlasting, you are God. You and I as human beings, we we take part in the to everlasting. We will exist forever, either in heaven or in hell. We will exist forever, but we have no claim on the from everlasting. He is without beginning. He is from everlasting, to everlasting. We started somewhere, not Him. God is the Eternal One. God is the One who has no beginning and He has no end. I love, I love trying to take these kinds of truths and, and do my very best to make them simple enough to communicate to a child. And uh, I find sometimes that... Uh, Poetry, simple poetry helps me to get close to that. And so a couple of years ago I was, I was thinking about uh, God being eternal and being the I am, the great I am who is without beginning or end. And, and uh, the, these, few, these few lines came to me. I am the Lord of every year in need of nothing to survive. Ten million pass and I'm still here for I can keep myself alive. I am, prepare your little mind to hear a truth your brain can't hold. No harder riddle will you find. I've always been, but am not old. Before the mountains ever stood, before the oceans ever were, before creation old and good, from everlasting I endure. I am like no created thing, beginning, growing, aging, dead. I am the uncreated king. Take off your shoes and bow your head. I am the uncreated king. I am the one who has no beginning, no growing, no aging, no dying. I just am. He is from everlasting to everlasting, the eternal one. He is the almighty creator. Verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is the Almighty Creator. He formed the world. He established. He created the heavens and the earth. And folks, this is, in our day, this truth is under massive assault, but stand on it. Don't bend on it. Don't flex on it. Don't compromise on it. We believe. In God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in a creator God. We believe in a God who has always been and has brought everything else into existence by the word of His power. He brought it into existence out of nothing so that all that is, is His handiwork. All that is, is His creation. All that is, is His doing. He is our Maker. He is our Creator. And Moses wants us to get that. He wants us to get the God that I'm encouraging you, he says, to to dwell in, to trust in, is a God who is from everlasting to everlasting, and He is your Maker. He is the one who has no beginning or end, so He can be trusted. He's going to be there. And He's the God who has made all things so He knows you and knows where you are and knows why you are and He knows what you are and who you are so you can trust Him. And He's the God who is the Lord of life. He's the Lord of life. We see this. That He is the One who is in charge of both life and death. This is found in verses 3 and following. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it's past." You sweep them away as with a flood. Verse 7, we are brought to an end by your anger. I don't know about you, but whenever I see references in Scripture to Man and dust, it, it's just so humbling. It ju- it you know, w- we return to the dust. Have you ever picked something up that was really old and just had the thing just kind of disintegrate in your hand when you picked it up? I, I collect uh, some old books that are in my office and I have to put them into a glass bookcase and, and I have to make sure that they don't get touched because every time you touch them, you can feel, you can feel the disintegration. You, you feel the dustness of it all. And if they hang there too long, there'll come a day when somebody tries to pick them up and they'll just kind of disintegrate. The day is going to come when if somebody is trying to pick you up, just going to disintegrate. Humbling, isn't it? We look at ourselves, we're big, strong, 200 plus pounds right here. And, uh, you know, the day's going to come when I'm I'm lighter than air. The day's going to come when it's nothing. And God is sovereign over it. God is the Lord of life. He's the one that returns me to the dust. He's the one who sweeps away the years. God is Lord over life and over death. God is the one who controls these things. This this is important to know. This is the God in whom we're trusting. We're we're trusting in the God who is in charge. We are trusting in a God who has it in His hands. We are trusting in a God who in the words of Ecclesiastes, there is a time to be born and a time to to die, God makes everything beautiful in His time. God is sovereign over the time of birth and the time of death. Or as Rick preached a couple of weeks ago from Psalm 139, your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has written down in the book how many days him sure he's going to have it's even more than that in Job 14 we read man who is born of woman is few of days his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass I know this is hard to process that God is sovereign over life and death especially when the young are taken from us and we can't figure out what God is doing. And we have to trust God to know that he does all things well even if mysterious. He does all things right even if we can't comprehend it. He is the Lord of life and of death. James 4 says, "You do not know what tomorrow will bring. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live. If the Lord wills, we will live. But if He does not will, we will die. There is stamped over every next breath There is stamped over every next day the words, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. Moses wants us to know this. He wants us to know this. He wants us to choose our God carefully. Make sure He's a God who is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. Make sure He's the God who is Creator and Lord, the one who has made everything. And make sure that you are looking to the one who is Lord of life. Don't don't believe in a God of your own making, your own doing. Don't, Don't go for the American thing. I like to think of God as. It doesn't matter what you like to think of God as. What matters is who God is. And what God is like. He is eternal. He is sovereign. He is Lord of life. He is Lord of death. He is Lord of all. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God and we're not. That's what matters. And Moses says, choose carefully the place you live and the God you trust. But also choose carefully the forgiveness you need. Did you notice in the middle of the psalm is a real tough spot, a real hard section to read where it talks about our iniquities from from verse 7 on it talks about the wrath of God and our iniquities and our secret sins that are not really secret at all to God because he sees them and and our days pass away under wrath and our years have come to an end like a sigh and 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 they're gone and 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 who knows verse 11 the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you there is this There is this fearful and there is this somber part of this psalm that that, that reminds us of our sin and reminds us of God's wrath and God's judgment. And and it could be depressing except for verse 13. Because in verse 13, out of the midst of this reference to anger and wrath and sin, Moses says, Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servant. Lord, have mercy on us. And Moses in the wilderness, as people were dying all around him, as, as death was just, you could, it was in the air, it was everywhere. Moses is desperate, and he feels God's judgment, and he feels God's anger, and he says, have mercy. Have mercy. And he's, he, you can tell he almost doesn't even know where to turn. He just says, have mercy. Have, pity us, O oh Lord. Pity us. Oh Lord, we as Christians, we who live this side of the cross, we who live this side of Calvary, we know how it plays out. We know how mercy is possible for us. Mercy is possible for us. Pity is possible for us because Jesus wasn't shown any mercy on the cross. Because Jesus took the wrath of God for us. Jesus bore our sins in His body on the tree. Jesus suffered and died for us. So that now when we say, Lord, have mercy on us, we're saying, Lord, because Jesus died for our sins, He was banished to the wilderness. He died in the wilderness because He did that for us. We trust in Your mercy. Our sins are paid for. Our punishment is accomplished. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. And so we trust in Jesus and pity and mercy and compassion and forgiveness are ours. You trusted in Him. In light of the fact that life is passing you and me by quickly. Don't wait too long to bow your head and heart before God and say, Pity me, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, for I am a sinner. We all have had to pray the same prayer. We're all there. We're all sinners. We're all left to ourselves, corrupt to the bone and the marrow of our existence. We've all had to say, Lord, have mercy on us. And our Father in heaven has said, yes, you're forgiven. You're pardoned. My wrath is gone. My judgment is over. It's all paid in full by another in your place. If you've never done that, turn to Jesus right now. Leave the wilderness Come running to Jesus, beg for mercy, God will give it to you as you trust in Christ. It matters as life passes us by quickly. it matters the place we live. it matters the God we choose and trust, it matters the forgiveness we need. And then the psalmist goes on to talk about the future that we envision and and it is just it's important for us to get what really is in a sense, the, uh, one of the central parts of this psalm, that we make sure we look at our future wisely and humbly. Look at verse 12. Having talked about the, the, the vanity and the, the brevity of life, he says in verse 12, So, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Lord, man is like a breath, it says in Psalm 144. Like a breath, his days are a passing shadow. Our, our days on earth are like a shadow. Our, our lives are short. We're a mist. We're, we're, we're here for a little while. We're, we're, and we're gone. We're gone. And, and Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Help us to be aware as we look into the future that we don't have we don't have forever to make the right choices. Help us to be aware that we need to be wise and discerning in how we live our lives. You know, it is one of the healthiest things to experience and to practice in your life to, to practice an awareness of your mortality. Well, that sounds morbid. That's how, that sounds, uh, what are you talking about? Zeal for God and zest in life will deepen and strengthen based on how much you're aware of your mortality. The more you realize that life is short, and soon and very soon, you're going to stand before God The more you're going to have zeal for life, to do life the way God calls you to, to live a life of faithfulness and holiness and obedience and mission and passion, and the more you're going to have a zest for life to enjoy whatever it is that God gives you along the journey. If you think you're going to go on forever, it will deplete your zeal and your zest, and you'll just exist, probably sitting in front of a blue screen somewhere. It is as we realize. I've only got a little while little, you know, I, I got 20. my dad died at 80, 81 years old. I'm. Fifty-nine in a month. I don't get a lot longer. You say, "Oh, but you really are, Tim." Get over it. No, this, this is this is good. I don't have a lot, lot, lot longer. So I want to live it with zeal, and I want to live it with zest. I want to live it with passion for the glory of God, and I want to live it with joy in whatever God gives me along the way. And, uh, we've been watching a bit of America's Got Talent these these weeks, and there's this 13-year-old girl whose father is dying, if you've, if you've been watching. This 13-year-old girl, singer, and her dad uh, has been you know, diagnosed with terminal cancer, and, it seems only has a, a few more months to live. And and they, they interviewed him in one of the recent shows, and he talks about how being aware of his mortality has made him aware of what's important. It'll do that to you. It'll do that to you. What's important, what means something, what lasts forever. Moses said, Lord, teach us to number our days. So that we will apply our hearts to wisdom. Lord, life is too precious to waste. And so teach us that our life is short. But it can be lived with zeal and zest. Zeal for God's glory. And zest in all of God's gifts and kindnesses. As life quickly passes us by, let us choose carefully the place we live. Make the Lord your dwelling place. Let us choose carefully the God we trust, the One who is the Eternal One, the Almighty Creator and the Lord of life. Let us choose carefully the forgiveness that we need, trusting in Christ so that we don't have to die in the wilderness. Let us choose carefully the future we envision, not a self-confident, I'm going to live forever future, but a humble and a reverent view of the future, knowing our lives are in the sovereign hands of God. And finally, let us choose carefully the prayers we offer. Don't waste your prayers on frivolous things and cravings. Go after the best things that God has for you. Say, Tim, why do you say that? Well, just read the psalm. Read the last part of the psalm. It it ends, especially in verses 13 through 17, with a, a series of Prayer requests. He prays, Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on Your servants. We've already seen that. Here's a request. In light of the fact that life is short, <laughs> Lord have mercy on us. But then he goes, he goes further. He prays that we would be satisfied with His love. Verse 14, Satisfy us in the morning with Your steadfast love. We sang earlier, more love to Thee, O Christ. And, that's, and that's, it's good. We should pray for more love to Christ. But might I suggest that there's something we need more than more love for Christ? It's more awareness of His love for us. Satisfy us, O Lord, with Your steadfast love. Show us, Lord, in the depths of our souls, in those places where we crave for security, we crave for love, we crave for relationship, we, we crave to be accepted, we crave to be wanted, we crave someone who will be there in affection forever. Satisfy us, Lord, with Your steadfast love. Show us how much You love us take away all our other longings because we know how much You love us. Moses goes on, renew and prolong our joy. Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with Your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as You have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen evil. He says, Lord... Lord, renew our joy and prolong our joy. We want joy. We want joy. Next week, you know, this this week's worship, and again, for those that are new to us, uh, you may be wondering about the worship style. We have all different kinds of worship style here sometimes hymns, sometimes contemporary, sometimes gospel. Uh, This week was hymn. Next week, we're going to be preaching from Psalm 148 through 50, the hallelujah psalms and this is calls on God's people to dance and celebrate and and the music's going to be raucous and it's going to it's going to be loud and it's going to be joyful and the words that Moses uses here are, are those kinds of words. They're strong joy words. When he, when he says, make us glad and rejoice, it's actually a word for singing joy. Lord, Lord, put a song in our hearts. Lord, put a shout on our lips. Lord, fill us with joy joy in knowing you, joy in knowing we're forgiven, joy in knowing we're going to the true promised land. Joy in knowing that you are ours. You're our dwelling place from every generation. Lord, fill us with joy. Fill us with joy. Oh God, fill us with joy. With joy. Make us a joyful people. Oh God. No matter what's going on, may there be a joy that is deeper than the trials. Stronger than the burdens and the afflictions. Lord, make us a joyful people. And he goes on. And he says, Work in us and in our children with your great power. Verse 16 Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. O Lord, work in us as your servants. Do your mighty work in us. Do your powerful, saving work, transforming work, strengthening work. And Lord, while you're at it, give it to our children. Give it to our children. Are you joining me in heart right at this moment as you think of your children, as I'm thinking of mine? Oh God, save them. And oh God, establish them. Make them strong in faith and strong in character and strong in testimony and strong to the glory of God. Let's pray bold prayers for our children. Let's not give up. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how long it goes on, do not give up. Pray on, pray on. Lord, Lord, let Your work be shown to us and Your glorious power. Pray it, folks. Your glorious power to our children. And then Moses goes on. He says, Lord, smile on us with your beauty and your favor. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. That word speaks of beauty, speaks of the smile of God that leaves beauty and favor and blessing behind he says, oh Lord, favor us. Oh Lord, smile on us. Oh Lord, beautify our life with your grace. Life is short and life is often ugly. Pray that God's favor and smile and beauty would rest upon us. And then he concludes, establish the work of our hands. Verses 16 and 17. Let your work be shown to your servants, your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. If in fact this psalm was written by Moses, and if in fact it was written toward the end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, then it was probably written just before the people of Israel went into the promised land. And in the promised land, they were to to conquer the enemies of God, and advance the kingdom of God, and establish a life of peace and prosperity in God, and it's as if... Moses is saying, okay, we have experienced death, we've experienced decay, we've experienced ruin, but now we're about to embark on a work, oh Lord, for you, establish the work of our hands. Lord, give us strength that the things we do will accomplish good things. And may it be the so same for us, brothers, sisters, friends here this afternoon, in home, in work, in church, in art, in business, in justice, in witness. Lord, establish the work of our hands. In our pursuit of holiness and love and obedience to God, Lord, establish the work of our hands as we labor in love to build our marriages lord establish the work of our hands as we as we try to raise children who who know you and love you and trust you and live for you and we labor and we love and we teach and we discipline and we show affection oh god establish the work of our hands and Lord, as we, as we try to witness of our faith in this generation, a generation that seems to have so little interest in God, so little interest in truth, but we try to be faithful. We try to do the work of witness. Lord, establish the work of our hands. And Lord, as we, as we seek to build Risen Hope Church, as as we seek two years in to establish this congregation as an abiding work of God in this community. Oh God, please establish the work of our hands. Please, oh Lord. And as we we seek to, to establish unity and understanding and harmony racially and ethnically and try to come together and understand each other and love each other and respect each other. Oh God, please establish the work of our hands. Establish the work. And as we, as a church or a part of our family of churches, sovereign grace churches, that is serving across the world and in, in a dozen or more countries, oh Lord, establish it. Establish the work of our hands. And as we try to finish our school studies and our college studies and try to fulfill our jobs and our careers, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Give us grace and strength to do these well. And as we seek, pursuing art and skill and craft and music and and try to develop those things that that render this world more beautiful. Oh God, establish the work of our hands. Please, oh God. And as we try to influence our culture and our world and and try to lead others toward justice and mercy, Lord, please establish the work. As we try to fulfill the Great Commission, as as we try to take the gospel to all the nations and baptize people in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and, and, and lead them into local churches in whatever part of the world they are in. Oh, Lord, establish this work and would you please finish it soon so that we might see you in your glory. Give us vision to aim for these things, Lord. Give us hearts to work For these things, Lord, give us hands to build these things. Give us feet to stand strong. Give us strength to endure in these things. And Lord, smile on it. Favor it and establish it for this generation and for the next. You see, as Moses thought about human mortality, it didn't discourage him and set him into a funk. As he thought about mortality, it inspired him. It made him realize there is work to do. Now, Lord, smile on it and give us strength and establish our work for your glory and for your honor. Brothers and sisters, all God's people, I hope, can say loudly and long, amen, amen. 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 May it be that we live aware that life is quickly passing us by. And so let us choose carefully the place we live. God is our dwelling. The God we trust. The eternal one. The almighty creator. The Lord of life. The forgiveness we need. The future we envision. And the prayers that we offer. There was a young missionary named Henry Martin uh, who died on the mission field. But as a young man, he was once heard to say, we are immortal until our work on earth is complete. We can't die until God's plans for us are complete. And by the way, Once they're complete, you won't be able to live. Because it'll be done. You'll be ready for heaven. You'll be ready for glory. But we are immortal until our work is done. Folks, there's work for us to do. That's one of the messages of this psalm. May we pray for God to give us strength and courage and hope and confidence and boldness in it. And may it be that His hand will be upon us. Until... The day comes when we pass from this life into the next and see the face of Him who has redeemed us from the wilderness, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, would you please come, even as we close this afternoon, to stir our hearts in song and then in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.